Stu, did we did we do the Lord's work today? Did we? Did we? Did or are you proud of what we did today? Uh, you did the Lord's work, the Lord of Darkness. <laughs> <laughs> you evil. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. We we took it. We took it on. We took on a few issues today. You don't want to miss a second of it. And don't forget, tomorrow is Tim Kennedy, who is. Ju- it's an amazing podcast. We we talk about, you know, the uh, the bad guys of World War II. I mean, this is just one part of it. The bad guys of World War II and. Hitler, is he alive or dead? Um, he thinks if he had to bet, yeah. Uh, it's crazy. He, he did this show, but we talked much more than just what he found a couple of years ago in hunting. Alive or dead or just escaped initially? Like well, yeah, escaped yeah. Escaped back in the day. Escaped. Okay. Not, yeah, he's still not alive. Yeah. They've got his brain wow. in Walt Disney's body. Really? Right by, yes. Wow. Right there by the Tiki Tiki Lounge. Oh. <laughs> so it's crazy. <laughs> anyway, uh, today's broadcast brought to you by Jace Medical. Uh, I don't know about you, but um, we don't make medicine here, and I think that's a problem. You know, it's, it's not that I'm worried about China. You know, sure, our relationship with China seems really cozy. Uh, we rely on China for a lot of our medicine. If things go bad what about antibiotics do we have antibiotics there's a shortage on some of the on the biggest more or most used antibiotics right now in america this is why i want you to go to jacemedical.com they have the jace case which contains five different courses of antibiotics that you can use to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses things like utis respiration or i'm sorry uh, respiratory infections sinusitis skin infections all of it don't get caught unprepared jacemedical.com enter the promo code back at checkout get a discount on your order it is jacemedical.com promo code back you're listening to the best of the glenn beck program floyd my man how are you sir I'm great. Good to be with you. Yeah, good to be with you. So um, we are at a time now where um, I think this is the, you know, right. Reagan said it. Now is the time for choosing. This is the time where you have to decide what side you're on. Uh, And I think there are many strange bedfellows that can be made at this point uh, because people are standing up from all walks of life. Do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. That's why I actually, my, my book is called Counterpunch, but the subtitle is An Unlikely Alliance of Americans Fighting Back for Faith and Freedom. And I think you are absolutely correct. America is at an inflection point, and we've been under such a barrage of what I call false narratives for so long now And, uh, I mean, you deal with all of these false narratives from climate change is is caused by man to Trump was a Russian spy, (laughs) Biden laptop was Russian propaganda. I mean, we get all these false narratives and false narratives. Their purpose is to make people feel alone, isolated and like they can't do anything. Correct. And, And so. 
you know, I, I, I travel the country and speak at conferences and I kept hearing from everyone. What can I do? What can I do? What can I do? So I thought I would put together a book that explained to them that they have the most power right around them. It's a lesson that I learned a, a long time ago. We underestimate the power that we have to influence the people that are right around us. Um, you know, local action can have national impact. And so uh, it's really a time for people to get engaged. It's time for people to start building community again. You know, they put us on house arrest. They locked us all down. Mm -hmm. They tried to do everything they could to break the bonds of community. And we've got to go the extra step and start rebuilding those bonds of so community. So how do you do that when sometimes your family just can't even get together? Yeah. Well, the first thing that I suggest is people get to know their neighbors again. Most people live on a street. Most people, you know, live in an apartment building. There's somewhere where there's neighbors nearby, but Americans don't know them anymore. And so you can do things as simple as have coffee with them. And then I talk about uh, several examples of groups and organizations that have organically grown up as a result of somebody just stepping out. I talk about a guy named Basil Fermanos, who's in North Phoenix. Uh, Basil was upset with mask mandates, and so he texted 50 of his friends to come to a coffee shop and meet him, and 250 people showed up. Wow. And so that group, um, you know, was launched and they still meet. They meet Mondays, every other Monday, and they, they've been involved in school board races, local legislative races. They are making change right where they live. And that's how we fix the country. You know, I, nobody's going to ride in on their white horse into Washington, D.C. and fix everything. That's not no. the solution to our problems. No. People, people have to occupy right where they're at. There is um, there's something also that I think is, for me at least, the most important thing. Jason Whitlock yesterday said, stop calling me a conservative. I'm a Christian. I'm not necessarily conservative. And I heard a, a great uh, priest talk about this recently on a YouTube video I watched, where he said, I'm tired of hearing about a liberal priest or a conservative priest. He said, there's neither of those. If you're for gay marriage, you're not a liberal priest. You're not a priest. If you are for, um, you know, transgenderism and the mutilation of our children, you're not a liberal priest. And I'm not a conservative priest for standing against it. You're just not a priest. And I think re um, establishing ourselves with our faith and i don't know how many people really have that deep of faith anymore um but reestablishing that no there are, i have two citizenships one to the united states and my my first citizenship is to the kingdom of god and i'm not going to break those laws in either of those citizenships i can't do it and and be a good citizen no, you, you are exactly right. This is a spiritual warfare. You know, we, we, we all know that uh, Tucker Carlson just recently was released at Fox. Mm -hmm. And 
part of the speculation, because we don't know everything that happened, is that he was starting to talk in terms of spiritual warfare. Yeah. And, and, and he, he, he was calling out people as evil. He gave this uh, speech to the Heritage Foundation uh-huh. on their 50th anniversary where, uh, you know, he, he, he said things that offend the elites. And so, uh, you know, I think that that's a big part of why he might have been removed. So you're right. You've, you've, it is a spiritual battle. And, um, you know, I encourage people to get back into Scripture. I think one of the ways that you can discern these false narratives is if you're putting good things into your mind. And the Bible and the Scripture is full of wisdom. So, you know, turn off social media, turn off Twitter, turn off Facebook, and spend some time in the Bible and I think it will really change your perspective about things. I think it's really hard. You know, if people went and swore off, uh, you know, movies, TV shows that are on Netflix, people don't realize how far we have drifted just in the last 10 years. You can't watch anything anymore that, you know, you would have you would have thought was good and wholesome 15 years ago. They don't no. exist. And what's good and wholesome now is still filthy. Yeah, well, that's that's one of the good things about having these streaming sites is we can watch old programs. I mean, right. I mean my my wife and I, we watch Murder, She Wrote, which came out during the Reagan era. Right, right. <laughs> so, but, you know, uh, uh, Alinsky, who was the most powerful influence on the left and wrote Rules for Radicals, he was a great tactical strategist. And what he helped the left do was maximize their influence, but he did it by ridicule and ripping people apart. His right. strategies are incredibly divisive. And uh, in fact, you know, uh, he, he dedicated his book to Lucifer, the most divisive person in the spiritual realm. And and I actually encourage people to do the opposite of Olinsky, and that is start to love the people around you, start to love your neighbors, start to re-engage with your neighbors, and then find people like you that you want to work with, and then get involved in your school board race, get involved in some of these key things, because you know, we still have the Bill of Rights. We still have freedom of the press. And if we don't exercise these freedoms, we will lose them. I think that's one of the most important things that you have said is start to uh, love your enemy. I, I, I gave a speech uh, a couple of nights ago in Virginia, and uh, I said, you know, there, hatred comes from darkness and ignorance. And uh, there is a hatred that is spreading all over the world that is just evil. And if we really are disciples of Christ, we have to love our enemies and we have to start looking at some of these people. Some of these people know exactly what they're engaged in. I think a lot of other people don't really know and they've just kind of they've just kind of ease their way into it and they don't realize that they're up to their neck in evil now and the lord wants all of his kids back not just us not one side or the other he wants all of them to return to him 
and you're never going to accomplish that with hatred and anger and violence. Never. No. I mean, his message is a message of love, of radical love. And, um, you know, w- when I was growing up, we had the Kiwanis Club, we had the Lions Club, we had the Rotary Club. We had all of these civic organizations that were were building the local community. And, you know, those organizations now are all in really tough shape. They're smaller after COVID. A lot of people didn't come back. Uh, they're, they're, a lot of them will never re-engage. We have to rebuild community and start with our neighborhoods and start with our neighbors. And we can take back the country literally town by town, city by city, county by county. There's over 3,000 counties in America that are, uh, in essence, red counties. And a lot of times uh, they aren't being run that way because people just aren't active in their communities. And politics encourages and invites and attracts some of the worst elements. Mm. Uh, Floyd, thank you so much. The name of the book that he's just put out is Counterpunch. Uh, his name is Floyd Brown. You can get Counterpunch wherever you get your books. And you can also find uh, much of his work at westernjournal.com, westernjournal.com. Floyd, thank you so much. Great to be with you. You bet. Bye-bye. This is the best of the Glenn Beck Program. And don't forget, rate us on iTunes. Welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck Program. We're glad you're here. Now, I want to talk to you about... uh, your elections. You may have elections going on. Texas, I know, has elections going on right now through May 2nd. Election day is Saturday, May 6th. Um, but this is these are the ones where they get you because they're very organized. And some of these elections, many of them school board elections, they can be won by three votes because seven people have voted. Okay. Nobody goes out and votes. You need to call your friends and organize your neighborhood. Literally, if you put 10 people in a car, you could be the difference on a winning and losing election in an election like what's happening right now. Um, I want to introduce you to uh, Stephanie Alod. She is, and now don't hold this against her, okay? Yes, she's a California native. But she got to Texas as soon as she could. Stephanie, welcome to the program. Thank you, Glenn. Yeah. Um, so you moved from California. You moved to Frisco, which is a really nice uh, part of North Texas. And it has great schools. And you got into the schools. And then you started paying attention to what was being said because of COVID. And what happened? Right. Well, the first few years were great. We've been here 10 years. And then I started to notice some things even before COVID, but then after COVID, definitely. And so I went to a school board meeting just about two years ago, actually, and I just did not like what I saw at all. I felt like the parents who had taken time to be there were were very disrespected. In fact, the school board president at the time said, this is our meeting, meaning theirs and not ours. And it just didn't sit right with me. So To make a very long story short, I ended up running for school board last year, and I won. So I have been a school board member um, for about a year now. And 
you found out, and we have the tape, we're going to play it here in a second. You found out that other members of the school board were meeting without you to try to figure out how to pretty much silence you. Yes, I did find that out recently. And, uh, well, let's, let's play. Do you want to set this audio up? Well, yeah, from what I understand, I can, sure. So, so what happened last fall was that myself and another trustee put an item on the agenda related to bathroom policy. And so that it took a while, and now I know why it took a while. Once you hear what you're about to play, it'll probably make more sense. But it took a while, and I didn't really think that much about the fact that it took a while, even though we have procedures as part of the board in terms of how long things should take before they get on an agenda when trustees request it. But anyways, apparently there was um, some constituents of our community who were angry about the policy. So our three board officers met with them to address their concerns. And um, they were concerned that we had just passed a policy saying, you know, boys use boys restrooms, girls use girls restrooms. They were upset about that. And so this this audio was the three board officers um, kind of responding to those concerns. Now, listen to this. Go ahead. I am so tired of having because every time it's on a board meeting, every time it's on an agenda, the entire tape crowd now can come and speak about how terrible they think our transgender students are. Stop for a second. This this woman is saying. I'm so sick and tired of it. Every time we talk about bath- bathrooms, then the entire hate crowd comes in and we have to listen to how much they hate it. Go ahead. Gonna, I mean, Marvin and Stephanie are going to keep on. But every time the they're going to ruin every meeting this ruin year. Every meeting. Yes. And I have mechanisms in place that I can push and I can use our subcommittee structure. And they wanted to vote on this in July. Mm-hmm. It's November. That's how long I've been able to push this out. And yeah. so, like, I have mechanisms by which I can do that. And I can also put it on any agenda. They want it on the regular board meetings because it's a show. If they ask for anything transgender policy going yeah. forward, it will be on a special meeting in the middle of the day that no one goes to. And if you, the only way we can combat what they're doing is to make sure our board stays in the majority of good guys. That's all we can do. Because the but state, if they change the state law, they won't. They, they will try that they're, they have never been successful in passing a bathroom policy at the state level. Because we need to be in the audience listening to what their narrative is so that we have a defense mechanism. That is incredible. In case you need a recap, some of the things discussed there was we're tired of the people coming to the meetings and wrecking the meetings. And Stephanie and and uh, and her uh, fellow board member, they keep coming and they're going to wreck all of these meetings. Uh, so uh, then the next one says, oh, well, I I can keep it off the agenda. They wanted to do this in July. It's now November. And I have mechanisms that will keep it off the agenda. And the other one says, and if they want to put it on the agenda, we can put it on in the day so nobody comes and uh, we won't have to deal with all of that. Uh, what was the last thing uh, in there? There was oh, so we, much. We have to have uh, we have to make sure that the good guys remain in control of the board. The question is, who are the good guys and who are the bad guys? When you heard this, uh, Stephanie, what did what did you think? I mean, I was shocked. I, I really was because, you know, I understand that there's there's 
a divide within the board and that, you know, the existing board members didn't didn't want me on it. I, I certainly understand that. That was made very clear in last year's election. But, you know, I, I was surprised that that anyone went to this level to do this. And it was very concerning to me to call, you know, to, to characterize the parents as being a hate crowd. These are parents who came and spent their time and spoke in most cases, pretty eloquently about their concern about this bathroom practice that the district had had and quite honestly is still practicing. So, you know, they're allowed to come and say that, and that doesn't make them a hate crowd. They were concerned. There were fathers coming concerned about their daughters. There were, you know, there was a mom who came who her son had been impacted by this whole issue of having a a biological girl in the boys' restroom And then, you know, when this mother complained to the school about that, they said, well, your son can use the nurse's restroom if he's uncomfortable. And she came and spoke. I didn't, that's not a hater. That's just, you know, someone who disagrees. And it, you know, one of the things that concerns me the most about this whole environment that we live in, especially as it relates to school board elections, is if you don't agree with the establishment, then you're, you know, you're a hate crowd member, right? And and your anti-public education. It's like, it's so ridiculous. It's so intellectually dishonest. It's like, we can disagree and that's okay. But this, this name calling and this rhetoric is just, it's escalated in Frisco this year because of the board election. And it's really sad to see. So um, first of all, are there people that you've talked to, or you're getting some other people like you on that are running now for the board? There are two people that I am supporting in this election. I I sort of characterize it as establishment candidates versus independent voices. That's how I characterize it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so there are, um, I've supported Reed Bond and Susan Kershaw. We have two seats up for election this year, and I have publicly endorsed and supported them. Are they running as, are they Republicans or Democrats or independents? They are. They're they're conservative. Sure. Okay, for sure. okay. They are. And they've gotten all the endorsements from all the conservative groups and okay. a lot of the Republican politicians. But because they're nonpartisan races, it doesn't have the any kind of party affiliation on yeah, the ballot. Yeah. Right. Um, and and how do you are there any I mean, because they're so they hide. They hide. We're open with our view. Look, if you want bathrooms to be shared by you know both sexes or all 99 i'm not the candidate for you they're not open and honest about it so how do you know that you're you're standing with somebody that is good well um you know you just ask questions and i think a lot of these these grassroots organizations um, you know, do the vetting. And so that's what I tell people is go look at their questionnaires, go look at who they're endorsing. And you can see some of that. There's also forums that have been online. Um, in fact, I was interested to find out that the Frisco Chamber of Commerce, when they did their forum, that's kind of the biggest forum that we have here. They asked, you know, do you support getting out of the Texas Association of School Boards or not? Because another district recently did, and I thought, well, that's a that's a question. That's a good one. And people said yes or no, right? Yeah. And so you could see where people fell. The other thing I'll say, just to kind of get back to the video for a quick second, is that one of our state representatives um, did request that the TEA 
the Texas Education Agency do an investigation into this to see Good. if there was any kind of wrongdoing. And so it is my understanding that that investigation has occurred. So there's been quite a bit of backlash to it, including from several of our elected officials who've gotten involved and are trying to do something to, to just stop this stuff. So the uh, Texas Association of School Boards, um, you know, we we know about the school board um, associations nationally uh, and the Texas teachers unions. Uh, they were instrumental in killing uh, school choice here in Texas, which is incredible to me. We have so many spineless Republicans. Um, what role do those guys play in school boards and and uh, races like this? So the Texas Association of School Boards, um, all trustees become a member once they get sworn in, if, if your district is a member of of that organization and all districts in Texas, except for one are, and that, that would be Carol ISD in South Lake who recently just voted to get out of the Texas association mm-hmm. of school boards. So they are in a process of exiting. Good. Um, but basically they provide training for trustees. They provide legal and, and others as well, employees, things like that. Um, they also provide legal services for districts and insurance services and things like that. But they're on the wrong. You know, I have, they're on the wrong side, are they not? Are they not also I mean, pushing? Go ahead. Yeah, I've seen them push quite a bit of of progressive ideology. Um, I was not a fan of that organization when I was running because I had heard about this concept called Team of Eight. Yeah, and that is basically where you have seven trustees and a superintendent and you're supposed to be a team. And I thought, well, that, that just seemed counterintuitive to me on the face of it. Cause I thought, well, aren't the trustees supposed to be there to, you know, oversee the district and right. isn't the superintendent supposed to report to the board and isn't the board supposed to be seven independent voices trying to make decisions for the community. So the whole team of eight concept, I ran a platform kind of against that. In fact, I think I've specifically said I will not be team of eight. I will be an independent voice. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of my thoughts before I before I got on. And then, you know, when I got on the board, I had the chance last fall to go to a, a convention that was put on by the Texas Association of School Boards. And they brought in ACLU attorneys to talk to the trustees about some of these controversial issues. And I was shocked. I mean, it's one thing to present both sides of an issue, but I didn't see any Heritage Foundation speakers or you know anything <laughs> like that. Right, exactly I, I right. I saw the ACLU, and right. I was I was quite honestly horrified because it was you know you have to allow pornographic books in libraries. Just make sure they're age appropriate, which meant to me I guess high school's okay, but maybe some books aren't okay for elementary school. But they basically told us there's no book you know that you should take out of the library, and some of these books are so explicit. And then oh, they I also, know. you know, said, you know, boys should be in girls' locker rooms if that's yeah. what they want. And, I mean, I heard them say it, and I, I couldn't get my mind around the fact that that's what they were doing. And so there's a lot of that stuff that that goes on in the conventions, but even just a lot of the rhetoric from, you know, this organization. They basically said that when you, you know, when you become a trustee, you serve the district and not the voters. And I thought, well, that's, you know... Yeah. What the heck is that? So, so, so I have not been a fan of this organization. Uh, Stephanie, thank you. You are running again already? No, I am not running. You're not running. I okay, not good. Running. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We I didn't thought, think so, but um, no. yeah. 
Uh, I have a three-year term, so okay. I'll be in till 2025 at least. Okay. And But I'm supporting Reed Bond and Susan Kershaw okay. to be independent voices for Frisco ISD. I just wanted to talk to you. Thank you, Stephanie. I just wanted to talk to you for uh, the one reason that these are the elections that count. They will organize in these. The average American doesn't even go. And literally, they can be won by one vote, six votes. You can change everything if you just grab five people, put them in your car, go and go and vote. Do your homework. But if you have these elections going now locally, you've got to vote. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck program. Uh, we are heard every day and watched uh, every day on radio stations all over uh, America. And we are also watched and carried on Blaze TV, Blaze Audio and podcasts. The same can be said for our good friend Rick Burgess, who is uh, part of uh, Rick and Bubba. And Rick and Bubba are on uh, every morning on Blaze TV, where you can watch their show. They are also heard on radio nationwide uh, and very, very funny and really, really good guys. Rick uh, uh, Burgess is with us now. He just did an interview that I heard with William Shatner, um, where uh, William kept referring to uh, Rick as Bubba the entire time. And... uh, Rick was nice enough not to tell him. Yeah, Bub- Bubba's not on the phone. This is Rick, dude. This is Rick. But uh, welcome to the program, Bubba. Yeah, yes. I'm. Uh, yeah, I go. I answer to Rick or Bubba. See, Bubba and I were. You know, we're in our 29th year in right. four months. Mm-hmm. So at this point. If someone calls me Bubba at the grocery store, I just answer. Yep. If somebody asks me how his wife's doing, I just pretend. My wife is not <laughs> happy about this. My wife my wife literally says, Glenn, she says, if another person asks me if I'm married to Rick and Bubba, I'm going to scream. <laughs> uh, she, she's I'm only married to one of them. Right. So, look, we're interchangeable, yeah. and you don't interrupt William Shatner. You yeah. don't correct oh, William Shatner. I had him on my CNN program, uh, I don't know, how long was it ago almost 20 years ago now and he was he said you know i watch you every day and i said that sounds kind of creepy and he said no i I watch you every day he said because it's it's as if i'm a pyromaniac and i'm just watching everything burn down in front of me (laughs) it's really funny have you noticed have you noticed, and I said this when it was over, you know, Speedy, all the guys on the show, they're like, why didn't you correct him? And of course, Bubba loved the fact that I didn't because he ended up having to miss the interview because, you know, right. you interview William Shatner when he can yeah, or when right. he tells you to. Right. And so I said, well, don't worry, Bubba. There's no interviewing Shatner. He he said for eight minutes what he wanted to say, and we were done. Yeah. You know, and, oh, yeah. Uh, no. It, and what's sad, though, is Bubba is the one who loved Star Trek. I never watched it as what? a kid because it wasn't my thing. I really thought Boston Legal and, oh, and that character, you know, was, so was good. the most hilarious one. Of, oh, he is he, a phenomenal. I mean, he never. I mean, this is not what you're on for. So we're going to stop talking about William Shatner. But he is an understood. awesome actor. He really is yeah, in yeah, a very yeah. stilted sort of William Shatner sort of way. Anyway. 
Um, It says right here on my little piece of paper, uh, the topic I'm supposed to address is why are the majority of church congregations made up of women? Where are the men? But I'm not going with that because you are uh, the founder of the man church. So the answer, where are all the men? They're at Rick or Bubba's church. <laughs> that is correct. Uh, let's, let's talk about this. Okay. Here, here's what we know. Okay, we know this. Do you ever get tired of people hitting you with stats about something and you begin to scream, well, are we going to do anything about it or just keep yeah. talking about this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have, we have been uh, on every – this is what – every Father's Day, every time I've ever been in church, the guy gets up and appreciates it and he says, well, we've done the survey. We've done the survey again. Let me tell you men something. Uh, the Barner research is in, and, and, and there is no influence that's anywhere near the influence that God gave a man. Now, let me be clear. Uh, that does not mean inequality. The, the Men and women are of equal value and equal standing before God Almighty. He created them male and female. However, there's a headship. And that he gave to man, and there's a maternal connection he gave to woman Correct. that you can't just interchange. And the headship does not meet inequality, as we know, you know, that Jesus himself said, I'm here to do the will of my father. There was a headship in the father, but the father and the son are equal, you know, so it's not, it's not inequality. So let's drop all that. But but what but what that we hear is that Barna and all these others have researched that inside a home, if the mother and father are there, if the man becomes a follower of Christ, there is the lo- the highest it ever was. There's a 93 percent chance the rest of the family will follow his spiritual lead, and then I think now down it's to 78 or 82, but it drops substantially down to if 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 mom becomes a spiritual leader of the home, it gets like the 23 percent that the rest of the house will follow. If it's a child, it's in single digits that that child could influence the rest of their family. So. The question that we asked at themanchurch.com, or God finally you know, convicted me, are you just going to keep talking about this, or why don't you quit waiting for someone else to do something? And I said, well, what are we actually doing about it? And most Western churches, if you go in, you will find that they'll say this on Father's Day, but if you looked at the budget or an investment or any game plan to reach and disciple men so they can actually do the job as spiritually leading, spiritually leading their home, you find that it's financed dead last or there's really not a game plan at all. So here was the question we have to ask. Do we really believe it? And in this country right now, wherever you go, when you see chaos, you see one thing. Men have left their proper place. And now we're getting into this, you know, biological men now want to identify as women. And have you noticed they're becoming dangerous? Anytime men leave their proper place under the authority of the one and only living God, they're dangerous. They always have been. We always will be. And so you're not going to address this nation's spiritual problem with some kind of worldly solution. And so at themanchurch.com and here at the Rick and Bubba Show, we said, well, if, if, if that is, will have a huge impact, if men have the most influence, if we got men in their proper place, wouldn't we solve a lot of our problems? And so we have, uh, we're, we're being intentional about reaching, but then discipling men from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity, because we can't just tell them they need to spiritually lead their family. You got to equip us to do it. So uh, equip me, give me, give me, give me a place to start. Exactly. I mean, I told everybody, how would I feel if I went to church every Father's Day and they told me I was supposed to be the mechanic of my home? And they kept quoting scripture, and I said, my goodness, the Bible clearly says that. And then all of a sudden, they just left. 
And I looked around and I said, anybody going to show me how to be a mechanic? I don't know anything about cars. So when, when all we do is challenge men, but we don't equip them, we just frustrate them. I appreciate what Promise Keepers did. That was a great movement. I appreciate men's conferences. I still speak at them. But if all we do is challenge and we don't equip, we're just frustrating men, and we must reach them and disciple them. So at themanchurch.com, we have, we have a whole strategy where you can just plug in and we have now our fourth 40-week curriculum that's coming out and it is the, this curriculum is designed to get men into small groups and actually equip them disciple them teach them the word of god teach them to be able to handle the word of god teach them what god's standard is teach them the truth not just shout at them and tell them to do it actually show them how to do it so we still challenge but we also equip and um so we have multiple resources available and we go into the churches and we set up this strategy and uh, like I say we've got uh, like we're talking about a new resource that we just put out that kind of says what we need to say right we need to be transformed and and that's the the latest resource that we're putting out right now it's a 31 day devotional and listen to this you know how Jesus is always counterculture Glenn the the subtitle picture how mad this makes everybody embracing the death of self in the mm-hmm. power of God. Go out to today's world and say you need to die to yourself. That's counterculture, but that's exactly what Jesus said. Well, and it is so important now. I mean, we are all, we, we're making ourselves into gods. We, you know, I can decide sexuality. No, you can't. Gender is assigned by God. You, you, that's right. not within your power. Who do you think you are? Well, God. That's who I am. Right. Uh, and it's a real problem. Um, self-worship is the number one that's the largest growing religion we have in our society right now it's the worship of self so themanchurch.com themanchurch.com now i've got a question on the from the other side you know the first question was you know why are the majority of church congregations made up of women where are the men in your man church where are all the women Uh uh-huh see see well i'm gonna put you on the rope you go ahead and answer that one well, that's an easy question. They're not invited. Uh, so, well, well, no. Here's what it is. Let me tell you where we established the strategy. Honestly, if you go into the church, women and children are being taken care of. Yeah, there is a game. There is a game plan for them, and it's a flawed strategy. The Western Church. I don't know when this happened. What was the first seminary to do this? And I use the word seminary loosely. They, they came a strategy that says you you reach the family through the children. You do a great children's program, and you reach the children. Then those children reach mom, and then mom reaches dad. Yep. Total hogwash. They don't understand men. Men are more than willing to drop their kids and their wives off at church and then go play golf. Yes. Go hunting. Go 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 yes. back to the office. Yes. Uh, and what's happened? We've designed a lot of Western churches, and they're designed to reach women and children. And men are on the outskirts. They may they may be pandering. They may be appeasing their wife by going. But the children soon find out this is something that mama wants to do. Daddy's just giving in if he comes with us at all. But this really isn't something he's made a priority. So then the children don't buy in back to that influence again. So we found in Scripture that three uh, three times a year, God was telling Moses in the Old Testament, three times a year, this is in Deuteronomy 16, 16 and Exodus 34, 23, three times a year, bring me the men. So there was a precedent that God said, there is a time when I want to speak just to the men, and I'll tell them what to now implement into their families and into society. Look at the the creation. Adam is the one who's told about the tree. He's not even created yet. God tells Adam what they can and cannot do and expects him to then tell the wife that he gives her. And Adam, of course, as we know, fails at that job. And when God shows up, 
He doesn't ask Eve what happened. He says, Adam, what's happened here? So God has always expected men to hear instruction from him and then implement that into their homes, into the church, and into society. And we have failed miserably at equipping men to do that. So we're just stepping up and saying, we'll do it. I just have to tell you, somewhere in New York City, there is a maybe 24-year-old intern at, in a cubicle at Media Matters who is now just a heap of blubbering jello after the last couple of minutes. And I thank you for that, Rick. I do thank you for that. Uh, well, listen, Glenn. Yeah. Let, let me be clear. Okay, mm-hmm. let me be clear. We don't do images of camo. I, I do all these things, but that doesn't make you a man. We don't do sports analogies. We don't do the uncomfortable. Here comes a sports hero who came to Jesus, and he gets up and tries to tell you sports stories and force them down on Scripture. What we're we, That's not what makes you a man. If you're good at sports, you can climb a mountain. You can lift a lot of weight. You want a bar fight. You got camo on. Uh, you know, you can, you can, you, uh, that's not what makes a man. So we don't use any of those images. What, um, what makes you a man is whether you're a follower of Christ or not. And if we had told men that Jesus Christ actually said, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me, enter by a narrow gate, those who choose to follow me, the path will be hard and most of you can't do it. See, the Marines said the few, the proud, the Marines, Jesus said the few, the, the humble, my disciples. And, and if we were telling men that it's actually the, the most masculine man thing you could ever do is actually decide to follow Jesus, mm-hmm. that's one of our slogans, be a man, follow Jesus. Disciple men, change everything. Yeah, but in the Marines, you get that snappy uniform that the chicks dig. Yeah, and unfortunately, following <laughs> Jesus, you get a cross. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And it's becoming more and more uh, less fun, if you will, but more and more important every day. Oh, look, I go to bed every night sleeping, not because my life's easy, but because my life is secure. It's under the authority of Christ. And, and to me, there's nothing more important, important than that. True masculinity is Christ-centered masculinity. You know, when God became a man, he did it perfectly. That should be our example. Rick, thank you so much. Thanks for everything you guys do. Thank you for your friendship and your broadcast on The Blaze. It's just you guys are great. Well, it's kind of you to say that. And, 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 and thank you so much for allowing the platform. You've been so good to our show and the whole, all of us uh, just love you and, and glad to be part of Blaze with you. And, and if anybody needs our help on this, you can go to themanchurch.com. Uh, our brand new uh, you know, resource is a new 31-day devotional. I just wrote the commentary to it. and I, yeah. I kind of talk about my story in there a little bit. It's called Transformed, and that's what we need, embracing the death of self and the power of God. You can get it at themanchurch.com or on Amazon, but it's available now. So it's kind of you, Glenn, to, to offer us the platform. Thank you very much, Rick or Bubba, whichever one you are. I, I don't know the difference between the two. Na, 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 na.